0: Hi there and welcome to the SyrupCast. You're listening to episode 148. We're recording this week's episode on Thursday, November 23rd. To our listeners in the U.S., happy Thanksgiving. If it's your first time tuning into the SyrupCast, we're a podcast devoted to fostering intelligent and sometimes funny discussion related to the Canadian tech and telecom ecosystems. I'm your host, Igor Banafasic. This week, I'm joined as always by old reliable Pat. Oh, Pat's not here.
1: Hello, I'm Patrick.
0: <laughs> Actually, yeah, Pat is taking a well-deserved break uh, before we you know, trying to, you know, he's trying to recharge before we make our final year-end push. Replacing old reliable is new reliable. Rose, Gold Bahar, Rose, how are you?
2: Hey, I love that nickname. I'm the new reliable person because our old reliable, reliable person is no longer reliable. I yes. love it. Yes. is fact, great.
0: Rose is so reliable that she's calling in from California. She could be taking time to enjoy the sun and uh, the end of the world. Instead, she's here to talk about telecom. If in that's a not reliable. Yeah. In yeah. A, yeah. If that's not reliable, I don't know what is. <laughs> Last but certainly not least, we have Mobile Syrup staff writer Samir Chabra. That's Chabra with two H's. Oh,
1: Samir, how are you? I'm quite well. I'm quite well. And I apologize for that terrible Patrick impression earlier. You know, I've done worse. So. It's all good.
0: Um, So with the introduction out of the way, let's start this week's episode by talking about the iPhone coming to Freedom Mobile. Rose, you broke this story for us. And I think it's fair to say that this is a much bigger deal than most of our readers might assume. And that's for a variety of reasons.
2: You're right. It's huge. Basically, we've talked about this before where... There's kind of the idea that Freedom Mobile has aspirations to become Canada's uncarrier, and by that I mean like a T-Mobile coming in, upsetting the big three, and uh, working its way into becoming a, a national, a large national presence. And they couldn't do that without the iPhone. So now they have the iPhone. Not only that, but um, they have the iPhones coming out at zero dollars down using their my tab program so it's a really strong offer i think it's a it's pretty exciting
0: Mm -hmm. samir um as um let's say um a diehard freedom mobile fan (laughs) what's your take on all of this
1: so when we had this conversation um back when patrick was at wwdc or not wdc at the iphone event Um, And we were talking about the possibility of Freedom Mobile getting the iPhone. I think I was the sole person who was not equivocating i was the sole person who was saying this is incredible news this is fantastic news everyone else was saying you know maybe let's let's temper our expectations Mm. let's see how it goes which as well they should have said but i'm going to say it again this is fantastic news for freedom mobile Mm. and listen it's it's not a matter of it being fantastic news for freedom mobile's bottom line or anything like that or their market share or whatnot this is fantastic news for freedom mobile customers because the, the fact of the matter is that the iphone whether we choose to accept it or not is this groundbreaking industry setting device. And if your carrier, my carrier is Freedom Mobile. So if my carrier, your carrier is Freedom Mobile gets the iPhone, that means that this carrier is ready to make a a massive swing for the big leagues. And I think that the fact that Freedom Mobile's LTE network is going to be able to support this device means that this is fantastic news for people like me who are Freedom Mobile LTE customers.
0: Okay. So let's, um, I think, there's a lot to unpack in that. Um, and we'll start first. Uh, we should point out, Rose, right, that it's coming to Eastern Canada a bit later and once they kind of roll out additional spectrum to support the iPhone, correct?
2: Right. So for, for a few of the iPhones, um, mm. the the new iPhones, the iPhone 8, 8 Plus, an X or 10, as they say, yeah. um, will all be available in the East Coast starting uh, with pre-orders December 8th. And that's because they all support Band 66 spectrum. Hmm. So that's basically what it all comes down to. And I'll give a quick overview of that. Um, essentially, Freedom launched its LTE network last November, and it did so with band 66 spectrum, which is um, newly deployed both in Canada and in the US. And at the time, only had one compatible handset that they could use the LTE with, which was the LG V20. Since then, pretty much every new phone has started to support band 66 LTE, which is great news for Freedom. However, they still really need to support the older, uh, the older bands of LTE uh, compatibility for these phones to really have uh, widespread support for LTE uh, because so many people are still purchasing older models of iPhone. So many people still have older phones that they want to bring unlocked to Freedom. And, and that's exactly what they're doing is they've purchased uh, 2500 megahertz spectrum from Videotron uh, not long ago and are now implementing it. And that spectrum is the older form of LTE uh, that a lot of older devices will be compatible with. So it is now uh, in in the West, in the West, it is uh, starting December 8th, able to sell um, older iPhones starting at the iPhone 6, 6S, 6S Plus, SE, uh, essentially all of them. And uh, in the East Coast, they still have a little bit of work to do on the network before that happens.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Samir, he, uh, he kind of gestured to this uh, you know, this is Freedom Mobile swinging for the big leagues. Um, and I think that's an interesting statement to unpack in the sense that, as I see it, the iPhone, the original iPhone was a deeply Um, disruptive device when it came to kind of Canadian telecom. Now, the question I want to ask both of you is, um, do you think now the iPhone 8, uh, the iPhone 10, and all the other iPhones that uh, Freedom plans to release, are they in some sense the kind of the straw that breaks the camel's back? And and what I mean by that is now this, particularly combined with the kind of very, um, it's not innovative in the sense, but it is innovative within the context of the Canadian market where this is a deeply subsidized device. Um, you're getting it for quite good value if you buy it on contract through Freedom Mobile. Is this kind of the device that helps, and or this device and contract that helps shake up the Canadian landscape where suddenly we see, you know, the big three feeling like they start to need to compete with Freedom Mobile?
1: Rose, do you want to take that uh, take that first?
2: Yeah, I'll take a swing at it first. I mean, I think that the uh, subsidized program that they have will be, um, will be pretty groundbreaking. Um, when people go to buy their next device, their main thought on their mind is how much is it going to cost me to get the next iPhone? Can I afford it? Uh, so if there's a carrier that is broadcasting clearly and loudly, you can get your next iPhone for $0 down that's huge that's hmm. massive is it also really the iPhone 10 yeah
1: it's also the iPhone 10 wow. yeah.
2: yeah yeah iPhone 10 as well and 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 paired that so basically how they do that is of course you're paying for it over 2 years like you are hmm. with other carriers um, but they are also pairing, uh, several of the iPhones with some pretty hefty discounts on the overall price if you stay for the entirety of the two years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so reducing some, you know, devices by even as much as, uh, $400 or, or more. So it's, uh, it's it's really a good. I mean, I'll be honest. It's a good deal. We're talking about deals this week. That's all deals, we've been deals, doing. Deals, yep. <laughs> and then on top of that, you've got their plans, which are not quite unlimited, but uh, do have a significant amount of data. I'd mm. really like to see them um, build out those plans a little bit to be a bit easier to understand and a bit easier to use because some of them have confusion with the you know incoming versus outgoing calls i'd like them to just smooth out the plans and i think they've had they have a really good uh value proposition otherwise it Hmm. could be drawing in huge amount of of customers from the big three
0: if i could just before uh, samir answers uh his take on it if i could just ask you one quick technical question which is how does the you know we've seen with android unlocked android devices they've had some issues supporting even ones that uh support band 66 uh, how does that work with the iPhone? Can you just bring any iPhone to them and it'll work?
2: Well, that's an interesting question. So when, when uh, we first knew that the new iPhones had Band 66 support, we tested it out. And at first, we found that it was having that issue where it would drop off onto 3G and not come back to LTE. But pretty quickly, they seem to roll out an update that, for most people, has unlocked iPhones working pretty well with Freedom. Uh, But again, they still haven't said uh, for sure that they can guarantee uh, seamless LTE network use um, quite yet. I for, for unlocked iPhones that aren't sold through their own channels they would be able to guarantee that for the the phones that are sold through their own channels and certainly when they roll out enough of the uh, the older sort of band 7 LTE then they will be able to guarantee that it'll work
0: right that's interesting so it
2: won't be an issue for long
0: yeah it's still interesting though because you buy you know you could buy a new iPhone from uh, Apple with the intention of bringing it to freedom and then, you know, you might have some issues for the foreseeable future. But That's true. Yeah. yeah. So, Samir, sorry. Uh, Go ahead. So,
1: I'd like to echo everything that Rose said um, mm-hmm. because she is 100% absolutely right. I think it's also important to take into consideration some important facts about Freedom's current network, not not the future network, not the potential that this this company has, but what mm-hmm. it is right now. Now, it's, it's really only available in a few markets across the country. Certainly, it's available in big markets in the country, mm-hmm. large swaths of population, but it's still not available in every part of Canada. Uh, so I think once the Freedom iPhone ads start coming out, I do believe that some of the other carriers are going to counter by saying, yes, well, you can go to this smaller network and get this incredible discount, this deal, this incredible deal, but you're really not going to be able to use the phone everywhere that you you think you'd be able to use it. Come to us, we have national coverage and so forth. So that's sort of the the tempered expectation. That's
0: that's, uh, our special guest this week, Hewitt, uh, chiming in.
1: (laughs) I I do believe that Hewitt is also excited about the the Freedom iPhone deal. Uh, she's barking her support for it. So, yes, the thing about Freedom is that it's a good growing network. So just like uh, Rose said, uh, but on top of that, it's, it's a great deal. But if you still have reservations about the Freedom Network, if you still have reservations about Freedom's Band 66 LTE network, um, then certainly this is going to be something that you're going to have to spend a little bit more time thinking about. But the important thing is that now you're actually going to be thinking about it because mm. before this announcement two months ago, three months ago, one generation of iPhone ago, the, the conversation you're having with yourself was, do I go to a network that's offering me a discounted price, a, a cheaper price on a great deal, but I don't get LTE or do I you know, go to the, one of the big three or their, or their flanker brands? And get LTE, but maybe pay a little bit more for it. So this is a huge deal, uh, like I said earlier, because now people are actually going to be considering, you know, switching to Freedom for the new iPhones.
2: You're right, and that's a very good point. Like I'm looking at it from the point a point of view more of an analyst than a user. I, I do recognize the coverage is spotty uh, in many cases, but if you, uh, you know, as in a kind of a more analyst light looking at what freedom plans to do and what freedom plans to has said it plans to purchase for new spectrum. It definitely looks good for the future. Hmm. Uh, Would I recommend, you know, going on freedom right now, if you're somebody who does a a fair amount of traveling out of Metro, the Metro cores that it's available in, I mean, probably not. So, but it it does look promising for the, for the more distant future.
0: Right. So just to circle back to the question I asked, um, do you guys think and let me just rephrase it do you think so what do you think is the kind of response that the other carriers are having to this news because certainly everyone reads mobile syrup
2: I mean so far so far I've heard you know nothing but radio silence but mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how they do respond I think they're still sort of taking the attitude that this is sort of like a, a pesky fly that they can swat away pretty easily, like Samir uh-huh. said, with the argument that it's really not a you know a fully na- nationwide network, and um, you know the reason that it's so tra- traffic free is because that nobody's on it, uh-huh. um, as we've kind of heard an anecdote before. But yeah, I, I think so far they they may not be too concerned. Uh, I think that freedom has a while to sort of creep up on them. Mm-hmm. Samir?
1: I agree. Um, I really do. So I, I don't think we're necessarily going to see massive responses from the big three carriers. I don't think that, you know, Rogers, Bell and Telus are outright going to start attacking freedom, mm-hmm. you know, in Facebook posts and, and Twitter posts and so forth like that. No, I don't think that's that that's going to happen. But I do think that we might very well start seeing the the subsidiaries. I think we're going to see, you know, the Fidos and Kudos uh, responding to freedom in the way that they have been so far. Mm-hmm. Um, again, maybe not through attacks, maybe not through ad hominems, not through that, but certainly by trying to incentivize uh, either current freedom customers to come over to the quote-unquote better networks mm-hmm. um, or trying to incentivize uh, current iPhone uh, owners or, or even p- potential iPhone owners to consider what it's like to be on you know, a network like freedom that's really mostly available in the large metropolitan centers of Canada.
0: And to that I say, isn't that a step in the right direction? Absolutely. Right? Do either of you have any additional thoughts or should we continue uh, to the next topic? I think let's
2: continue. I mean, I Mm -hmm. I think it'll be promising to see what happens. And I'm excited uh, for December 8th to see how much traction they get. But until Mm -hmm. then, we won't know just exactly how how well this is going to be picked up.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So the timing of Rose going to California in some sense was perfect because... Uh, this uh, Thanksgiving weekend, uh, the FCC, and specifically Ajit Pai, decided to unveil their new anti-net neutrality, I think that's the politest way to say, um, proposals. Uh, it's not gone into law yet. It still has to be, I assume, I don't know too much about American politics, but it has to be voted on by the FCC. Life is full of what-ifs, some
2: awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry?
0: FCC chairs,
1: I assume, is yes, this. the five FCC chairs.
0: Um, and in fact, Rose just shared a really great opinion piece from the Elliot Times, in which one FCC chair is like, "This is a terrible idea. Please complain <laughs> to everyone possible <laughs> to not get this uh, to stop this from going through." Um, you,
2: you know, it's bad when actual members of the FCC are crying out for help.
0: Mm-hmm. And now, just out of curiosity, is that FCC chair? Was she? Um, was she? Um, a Democrat or a Republican appointed? Uh, I don't know. Okay. That's
2: a good question. Yeah, we'll I am not. At, ex- sure.
0: Yeah, we are not experts on the FCC. But I think mm-hmm. it is interesting in the sense that uh, when this came out, uh, as Samir, you did a story for us in which uh, you followed uh, uh, Naveed Baines. He is, the, of course, the uh, Minister of Innovation, Science, Development, and uh,
1: uh, Science and Economic Development, development. Okay. ISED. Right. Formerly
0: Industry Canada, which was rolled much easier off the tongue. Uh, so I will send my uh, my hate mail to Mr. Justin Trudeau and ask him to change it back to make my job easier. Um, do you want to just take us quickly through that story and then we'll go from there?
1: Uh, yeah, sure. And actually, it's a quick story to go through. So yeah. um, Wired published a story uh, explaining or expounding on some of the FCC's proposed uh, anti-net neutrality measures mm-hmm. and it, I suppose in a move that makes perfect sense for a regular Twitter user but is a little a little um, maybe off the cuff for a minister uh, Minister Baines just said you know what um, Canada stands in support of net neutrality measures hmm. he didn't really um, attack any of um, FCC uh, Commissioner, uh, Commissioner uh, Ajit Pai's measures he didn't attack the FCC he didn't even you know say how he's going to protect net neutrality in Canada he just mm-hmm. said hey you know we're We're going to support neutrality here. Right. So I think,
0: you know, the obvious question to start off is what, if any, effect does this FCC decision have on us in Canada?
2: I mean, it's 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 always anything that happens uh, to our neighbors in the south Mm -hmm. um, always sort of, you know, has effects here in Canada and certainly Mm -hmm. is watched very closely as well. And um, Canada has taken a really strong stance on net neutrality, uh, especially with the uh, call on you know Video uh, uh, Video Tron's unlimited music call, where they sort of set standards for differential pricing. Um, they they took a very strong stance. The CRTC and Canada in general, and uh, Prime Minister Trudeau has also come out yesterday saying that he supports net neutrality. Mm. Um, but I think it's just worrisome to see because generally what happens in the U.S. does have an echo effect in Canada. And if the U.S. and its major, you know, technology companies that tend to, you know, in some way define the Internet for everyone, if those companies start to be unregulated um, and the telecoms become unregulated, you um, it's it's very worrying. It's a worrying trend, I guess. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I th- I've seen some people comment, like there was Mark Cuban. He was commenting that it's a, you know, he was pro, he was anti-net neutrality. And he said, basically, anybody who's pro-net neutrality wants uh, President Trump to be in control of the future of the Internet. <laughs> Which is really, you know, it's a, dis- it's a obviously like that. Yeah. It's a problematic argument, and and I think it, it you know, gives people a little sense of uh, what's actually at stake. Yeah. What's actually at stake is, is the status quo versus companies, the big telecoms, wanting to uh, disrupt that so that they can make more money, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's very uh it's a really tense subject and i know that whatever happens in the us obviously um will will have some impact in canada in the future no doubt
0: right so the th- two things i'll say one it's okay to say i don't know because quite frankly we don't know what kind of repercussions this will have but i will say yeah. we've already seen you know if anything what you can see already is that this is already emboldened certain people who are anti-net neutrality in Canada. For instance, you know, the CEO of Videotron, he came out and said in, uh, and uh, I will try to say this in the most polite words possible, uh, but he more or less said that Netflix could do something with his genitalia. Um, uh, Because, you know, uh, he's like, oh, it'd be great if Netflix could like, you know, paid for the bandwidth. Um, which is interesting looking, you know, I was thinking about that statement and just kind of that outlook in general. And it's it's kind of a chicken and an egg thing, right? Like in the sense that if Netflix didn't exist, would we need and services like it, whether it's, you know, Google Play, Spotify, Crave TV, um, that have created demand for this kind of infrastructure, right? Like would we, would any of us have, like would I have a six gigabyte plan a one gigabit uh, Ethernet connection at home if I didn't have a need for it, right? Like I would still be on a one gigabit data plan and would like, how would that work for Rogers, right? Like they wouldn't be making any more money. So um, that was just something I hadn't obviously thought it the whole way through, um, but it was just something I was thinking about in the um, in kind of the aftermath uh, of all of this happening. Um, the one thing I would suggest is um, Michael Geist, who you know we all go to when we need comments, whether you're at the CBC uh, Mobile Syrup, or any other Canadian publication, he wrote uh, an opinion piece about why um, net neutrality is so important uh, for the Global mail. I haven't had a chance to read most of or uh, the finish it, but I have read a couple of paragraphs. And what he lays out is just a really good argument. So I'd suggest if you have any kind of interest in this or have any stake in it, check it out. Um, Because Michael usually has pretty good opinions about this kind of stuff. Uh, Samir, did you want to add anything?
1: So the truth is, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, again, echoing everything that Rose said and also echoing your comment about feeling safe and comfortable enough to say, I don't know. Because the truth is, um, I personally don't know how this is going to have repercussions in Canada. I have fears, uh, certainly, um, and those fears, of course, are that the ISPs and the service providers will take control over uh, over what should be publicly regulated uh, infrastructure. That's that's a personal fear of mine. Um, I'm concerned that anti net neutrality measures, of course, will stifle innovation. I'm concerned that you know the future Facebooks, Twitters, Netflixes of the world will not be able to thrive in in a in a climate where there isn't that kind of "quote-unquote" unlimited access to the internet, but the truth is, I don't know. Um, we know how uh, not having net neutrality has affected countries like Mexico. We've seen how AT and T has utterly gouged uh, the citizens of Mexico, the residents of Mexico, for their services. Like it's, it's gotten to a point where AT and T there sort of just charges based on how many Uber rides. Like if you if you go for a twenty. Uh, you know, dollar plan uh, converting at a twenty dollar plan, you get five free Uber rides, which makes no sense. If you go for a thirty dollar plan, you get ten free Uber rides, which is this whole weird thing where they're they're charging per service. Mm. Um, so that's very strange. At New Zealand, same thing, same situation. Portugal, Portugal, same thing, same situation. Um, thankfully, like Rose pointed out, you know, Canada has been pro-net neutrality. Um, and I think it's safe to say that all of the people on this podcast are pro-net uh, net neutrality. Mm-hmm. Um, so I only have hopes. The question,
0: uh, the follow-up question, if I could ask you guys is, you know, we spent a lot of last week talking about new CRTC chair, Ian Scott. And, you know, we did conclude that it was a bit hard to see where he kind of stood on those, a lot of those issues, a lot of, excuse me, the issues, uh, just because, Uh, you know, he was being quite honest and said, I can't talk to these issues because we're deciding on them. But if you had to guess, where do you think he kind of stands on the spectrum of net neutrality?
2: (laughs) If if I had to, if I had to guess, um, I would say not as strongly uh, uh, pro net neutrality Mm -hmm. as uh, Jean-Pierre Blaise, Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't know exactly where on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Jean-Pierre Blaise was was really, really strictly pro-net neutrality to an extent where people complained about the Videotron decision because it took away a service that was somewhat... It was a pretty high-value service for a Canadian Mm. telecom to offer. It was, you know, free, unlimited music streaming. And he said, no, even that's not okay because, you know, well, for a few different things, but it's, you know, differential treatment of data in in several in a few different ways um so some people even complained about the strictness of that i I don't think that ian scott would be as necessarily as passionate about it as our previous crtc chair but i I don't know just uh just how far he would uh, extend in the other direction either
0: samir you spoke to the man
1: so again we're back to those three magical words i don't know however Mm -hmm. Uh, based on what Ian Scott said in his uh, in his prepared remarks to the IIC conference and in the interview that he that, that, I, that I conducted with him, he said that he is pro-public interest. Now, net neutrality and, and pro-net neutrality measures are in favor of public interest, um, assuming, of course, that you believe that the Internet should be treated as a public good. Um, so if you don't believe that the Internet should be treated as a public good, if you think that it should be commodified, well, then... That's a whole separate issue entirely. But again, we go back to those three magical words that we've been saying quite a bit about this discussion. That's, I don't know where Ian Scott necessarily stands on this issue.
0: Um, So I think, you know, we'll obviously watch this as it develops. I think uh, it's so tough. It's like there's going to be reverberations that we haven't even yet felt from this, right, this decision. And uh, obviously... I should, let me rephrase. It, it's not a decision yet. It's just something that the FCC has kind of put on the table. Um, and it could very well be struck down, right? Uh, they could vote against it. Fingers crossed. Um, we'll see. Um, you know, there's still hope even in 2017. There's Samir, still hope. There's Samir still hope. was giving me like very a, like. A grimace look. <laughs> a grimace look. Um, not Doesn't make for great radio. But, you know, we do what we can. Um, shout outs, everyone.
2: Oh, I have a good shout-out, um, just because I love this thing that I'm shouting out, to. Uh, I started using the Asus Zenfone 4 Pro, and before you think to yourself, oh, well, that sounds like a boring, crappy, mid-range Android phone, um, hold on a second. First of all, it's not Ooh. mid-range. And also, it's got the most beautiful camera, and nobody knows about it. It's this hidden gem. But I was uh, taking like evening shots, low light shots yesterday in California, walking around mm-hmm. and the level of definition that I got in like the the clouds, the sunset, uh, you know, the clouds in front of the sunset and, uh, you know, cars going down the street, just a perfect amount of blur, but a perfect color saturation It was beautiful. So I can't wait to show it off when I do an eventual review with this phone. But I am just loving it. Damir?
1: A bit of a strange one again this week. I would like to shout out to Nicole Cliff, who is a Canadian writer and journalist living in the United States. Uh, She co-founded the website The Toast. It's a great website. At least it was a great website. (laughs) Um, It is now defunct but that's not the point I am shouting out Nicole Cliff because just a few moments ago uh, on Thursday November 23rd 2017 she tweeted out a series of tweets explaining and telling a story about an experience she had with her father-in-law at Thanksgiving and a goose versus turkey dinner and it is hilarious it is heartwarming it is infuriating it is everything that a story should be and I highly recommend you guys check her out on Twitter. Um, I'm going to do
0: somewhat of a repeat of a shout. I think I shouted out this movie when I saw it with Rose Tiff, which was The Current War. It opens this Friday. Go see it. It's really good. It's with um, Benedict Cumberbatch, that handsome, charming devil. Uh, <laughs> he plays Edison. Um, yeah, it's just great. Go see it.
2: Yeah, it tells you a little bit about our, our history in that respect of uh, a big, major technological innovation, and it's really well acted.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, on that note, Thank you again to everyone uh, for tuning in and listening. Um, if you'd like to send a comment or question to uh, the podcast, you can do so by emailing podcast at com. Um, we have a couple of special episodes planned this uh, coming in coming into December, just because the news cycle obviously slows down a bit. Uh, so I'm gonna start putting up posts where I'm gonna invite you to, and I promise I will actually do it this time. I know I'm the worst at this. Um, where i invite you to comment so that should make it a bit easier to get your comments onto the uh cast we'll be giving away prizes um samir where can people find you online
1: they can find me on twitter i am at samir chabra and the, uh, sorry i'm at samir chabra 94 and like you said earlier uh chabra with two h's
0: provide all the goods uh rose where can people find you
2: Oh, they can find me at Rose Bahar on Twitter. Sometimes, sometimes I am there, mm-hmm. and they can also find Mobile Syrup at Mobile Syrup on Twitter and uh, and at all other good places of social media.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm just at Igor Bonifacic on Twitter. That's I G O R B O N I F A C I C. Very convoluted, I know. Um, Rose, thank you again so much for taking time out of your day to call us and to make a pillow fort so that you can sound beautiful on the Syrup Cast. <laughs> Thank you to Robin for helping us produce. Thank you to Hewitt for chiming in. Uh, We'll see you all next week.